Hello. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. Frau Weihnachten. Joy Noel. Or maybe even Ivayolua. As I welcome you to the Christmas edition of Corners of the World, which is all about Finland. Finland is the obvious choice for a Christmas special, as it's home to FC Santa Claus, a club based in Lapland that gathers plenty of attention at this time of year. Although the regular football season doesn't include Christmas matches, for obvious cold weather related reasons, FC Santa Claus will usually travel abroad for a festive fixture. To explore this unique club, as well as others around Finland, I had a conversation with Rich Nelson from the Finnish football podcast and escaped to Suomi. As well as discussing the annual attention given to FC Santa Claus, we also focus on the growth of the profile of Finnish football after the national team's recent qualification for the Euro 2020 tournament. This will be the first time Finland competes at any major tournament. We also discuss the intriguing origin of the Eagle Owls nickname, the developing fan culture in Finland, and whether football is finally coming out of the ice hockey shaped shadow in the country. But there is no other place to start this Christmas special interview than with an introduction to FC Santa Claus. They're based in Rovaniemi, which is in Lapland. So it's kind of where, when people from all over the world fly to Lapland, they normally go to Rovaniemi. And um, I mean, they are an established club. They're actually very highly regarded in, in the north of Finland for their sort of youth and junior football. Uh, but the men's team qualified, or they got promoted to the third division uh, about five years ago, which got um, a, a lot of wide interest. Um, they didn't do too well. I think they went back down the next season. But yeah, they... Um, they fly to China most years to play a friendly on Christmas Day. They played at the Bird's Nest uh, Olympic Stadium a couple of years ago on Christmas Day, which is interesting. But uh, a, a cult club, and I mean, they're, they're fully aware of that. And all the new signings get to sit on Santa's lap in his grotto when the uh, transfer is announced. So it's a, a fun club. And yeah, it's definitely nice to roll that out every Christmas. Yeah, and there's a lot of excitement around uh, FC Santa Claus that I've seen on the internet. And there's also kind of a growing support for the Finnish national team as they managed to qualify for their first ever major tournament, which was meant to happen this year, but will be next year instead. So how important was this qualifying campaign to the future of uh, Finnish football? Well, I think it's um, in, in years to come, I think people will look back at it as a pivotal moment. Um, Finnish football, the national team, has always been regarded as you know a niche almost even within Finland. Um, I mean, football's the biggest participating sport, but hockey's always been seen as the largest spectator sport. And I think um, you know Finland are the current world champions at hockey. But I, seeing that the football team has now reached something that even the teams with the famous players in the sort of late nineties, early two thousands didn't do, um, it, it's a huge boost. I've been both for interest and marketing and, and hopefully convincing a few youngsters that, you know, that they normally end up getting presented with a choice between football and hockey. So um, seeing Finland achieving, and, and, you know, qualification is an achievement. Um, I, I think it's a massive, massive deal and, and, you know, is being made the most of, I think, by, by a lot of the marketing people. But uh, I mean, potentially, you know, seeing Finnish players who, some of whom do still play in Finland, you know, playing at a Euros against initially Belgium, you know, number one team in the world at the moment. I think it's a massive thing and, uh, and hopefully the start of many. So are you optimistic for um, Finland's chances for maybe uh, doing a double and qualifying for the uh, World Cup 2022 now the qualifying group has been revealed? Um, I, I think, I mean, it'll be a lot tougher with the, the way that the competition's organised. But um, I mean, in a draw with France, I mean, let's be honest, Finland beat France in a friendly last month, um, albeit it was two reserve teams. But um, I think being in a group with Ukraine and Bosnia and then Kazakhstan, it's it's going to be difficult. But I think in, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, 
it'll only take a couple of good results. I mean, Bosnia are in such a rotten run at the moment and Finland played them in, in qualification for the Euros. So I think there's, there's every chance that Finland, if they get a good start, will, will get second place in that group. And then the, the playoff situation from there, I think you end up playing three different teams for a qualification spot. I think that they'll go in with a lot of confidence after um, you know, sort of two or three really good, good years. Mm. And at the uh, Euro 2020, which is confusingly still called that, even though it's going to be in 2021, are we going to see a kind of fanatical Finnish fan base travel with the team um, around the stadiums and maybe see kind of like a Viking clap that we did when uh, Iceland first qualified? I wouldn't say it's perhaps quite as iconic as, as the Viking clap. I mean, they, um, they are sort of trying to push... Give me it's the Finnish equivalent of give me an S, give, you know, you, you know, the Suomi Finnish for Finland. But the the way that the groups have been laid out, I mean, Finland couldn't have hoped for a better draw in terms of travel. Um, they've got two games in St. Petersburg, which I think you can get to for a short ferry from Finland. It's a couple of hours. And then Copenhagen's not too much further. So really, it's the, the best possible group that they could have got in terms of fans attending. Uh, I guess at this time, we don't know how many fans will actually be able to go, but the the ticket allocation went really quickly. They were very popular. I think they had up to 8,000 tickets at the, uh, the two games in Russia. So, I mean, there'll certainly be a lot of people going. It's, um, I mean, so many people are excited about it. I mean, I've, I've got tickets for one game, which will be good. But um, yeah, the, uh, I think the games in St. Petersburg will be the ones that will be the most popular because um, really it's a nice short little summer trip and a, a ferry on, or even a train. Yeah, I mean, there are much worse away days than I can think of. St. Petersburg sounds like it's an ice trip in the summer. <laughs> Yeah, so I've heard. I've never actually done it, but um, I think a lot of people are looking forward to it. And, they, you know, everyone got their visas and, and all that to, to go over. And it's just a shame it got postponed. And, and hopefully by the time it comes back round, uh, a similar number will be able to go. And, um, yeah, I think uh, there's a, a lot of excitement and, and the, I would say massive confidence. But I think uh, a few people are hopeful of an upset or two. Yeah, and um, interestingly, the um, Finnish national team are nicknamed the Eagle Owls. Um, Is there any reason behind that? Um, Weirdly, it was a game against Belgium in 2007-2008. During the match against Belgium, uh, an Eagle Owl, which is one of Finland's native birds, uh, flew down and landed on the crossbar during the game. Uh, There's a there's an interesting shot of uh, Finland and a Belgian player, I think it's Aramenko and someone else, looking at this owl just sort of sitting there on the crossbar in a Euro qualifier, looking very sort of pleased with itself. And the nickname's kind of stuck from there. So, yeah, it's a weird one. And, I mean, they seized on, on the marketing opportunity of that. But it was, um, you know, a nice one that everyone kind of thinks about now. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's weird, one of those situations. I mean, you always get cats on the pitch in certain games. But, um, yeah, even, even the mascot is an eagle owl now. So they've really gotten behind the uh, eagle owl nickname. Um, how, how do you say it in Finnish? It's uh, one of those long words that I don't think I can pronounce. Uh, Hukiat. Um, Hukiat. Yeah, so um, uh, so that's basically the Finnish team's nickname. So uh, anytime you see that Hukiat, or, um, there'll be a, that's the hashtag after any of the national team stuff. So um, And it's, it's the social media name as well. So they're, uh, yeah, that's thankfully one of the easier Finnish words to pronounce. Mm. And um, the women's national team also uh, seem to be having success at the moment. There was a very dramatic game with Scotland recently, which has meant that they uh, will be in at least the playoffs for Euro 2022 qualification. Um, how how did that game go? Um, oh, that was a strange one. I mean, um, Finland, the women's team had qualified for Euros previously back in 2013. 
the the national team, I think generally, I suppose if you, you look at it, outperform the men slightly. They they tend to do slightly better than men. But um, in this campaign, they've done really well. They've been top of the group really since the beginning and beaten Scotland home and away now. The, the game against Scotland in Edinburgh was a strange one. It was very much backs to the wall. And, and in an alternate universe, Scotland would have won five or six nil. But I think in the 95th minute of the game, a substitute who, who was making her debut for the national team, she came on with her first and second touches. She scored, she shot straight against the goalkeeper. The ball went in off her face. Um, off her nose and, and went in the back of the net and uh, yeah Finland a uh, very unexpected victory the clip of that was very popular but yeah it was just one of those random goals that maybe if it had been a Scotland player it would have gone wide but uh, it's definitely a bit of luck but yeah not not a bad international debut I think she'd been on the pitch 56 seconds and uh, and she won the game. Wow that'll be a historic memory for years to come for her. Yeah and um, you know it's interesting again her her dad played for Finland in the uh, in the 90s and he's the coach of her club in Finland. But um, for someone who got called up as a late replacement due to, I think, a couple of coronavirus tests, um, I mean, she's a very well-regarded player in Finland for her club. And um, if you get her name, well, a bit of worldwide attention for a couple of days, it was, um, yeah, it's, it's always interesting to see these things and nice when it happens to Finland. And do you think it's likely that this newfound success in Europe for the national teams might start translating into some of the uh, domestic clubs in Finland with the introduction of the new Europa Conference League? I mean, it's hard to say at the moment. I mean, the, the Finnish club side's performance in, in Europe has been pretty dreadful, really, over the last 20 years or so. I mean, we've only had one team, HJK, who've made the group stage of the Europa League, and that was about five years ago. They normally, I mean, you normally get seasons where they all go out in the first qualifying round of the Europa League, which is quite embarrassing. But you've got three three clubs going into the the Conference League starting next year. So, uh, I mean, it's it's hard to say. I guess the the only issue is that the, the clubs who will be in in those qualifying rounds will be the same that they probably would have played this year. The team I support, Coops, did fairly well this year. I think they got to the playoff round of the Europa League and uh, end up losing to Cluj uh, again. That would have been a a big surprise if they'd done that far because I mean the the money's good at that level relative to the Finnish club's income but yeah I think that the difference is now that the standard of the players in the domestic league that they're not as high as the the national team most of the national team players play abroad and um, I think there there is a long way to go there but uh, the clubs are definitely hoping some of the magic rubs off on them at some point. And do you think that in Finland, with the finances, that there's sometimes a disparity between the teams? Because um, it looks from the previous champions' records that uh, HJK take the title most of the season. So has that created a gulf in resources? I wouldn't say that's the main reason. I think, um, well, while HJK are the most successful team, I mean, really, in, in recent years, they've probably underperformed. Um, they, they won the double this season, but that was they hadn't won the league for a couple of years before that. Um, they are the best resource club purely I think from historically their, their catchment area based in the capital um, they've got the biggest stadium they've got actual professionals working there I mean it, it, we're still in that kind of environment where if you compare Finland to England the setup of some of the clubs is probably even the top division clubs are equivalent to maybe a sort of national league or national league north or south there's a lot of volunteers or part-time people but um, HJK are so, uh, you know in comparison to Finland anyway so well resourced their, their income is a lot higher and, and at the start of each year you always kind of think it's theirs to lose because they're the ones who, who go out and spend money on players and, and recruit heavily but you know more often than not it, it doesn't gel properly I think this year it did 
they went back to basics a little bit and brought brought in some more established players. But the league's normally in the last five or six years have been a lot more competitive than it had been, which is always good. And has the um, change in league format also helped to create this more competitive nature? I understand that it's now similar to the Scottish system, isn't it? Well, it, this is the controversy. It was in 2019. That was the first year they trialled this format. And then in 2020, because of uh, the pandemic and there was starting to become a spate of postponements, they ended up uh, finishing the series, uh, the season early. So they finished it after two rounds of games and they, they didn't get to the split, which they did the previous year. So um, I think there was some controversy around that, the fact that they decided to end it. I think with about a week's notice, but um, the year before it had been quite useful in terms of the the relegation and the European places. That was kind of where the real competition was. Um, I think we probably need a couple more years to see if it's any any good in the long run. But the previous format was a bit convoluted, and the, the teams ended up playing each other three times, so you get an imbalance of home and away fixtures. So I'd be interested to see when if things get back to normal how how this pans out because it was there was a playoff for the Europa League spots which didn't pan out again but um, I think people are positive generally that it gives people a little bit more at the end of the season to, to look forward to. And did it feel like um, as well as impacting on uh, the league itself that the pandemic and Covid uh, had a big effect on some of the clubs in Finland with uh, finances and clubs uh, struggling to make ends meet without fans? The, the issue was really is that the, there were some fans throughout. Um, it was only a couple of matches towards the end of the season where they said no fans were allowed in. But when you think HJK will sell out occasionally some games and they have a 10,000-seat stadium, I think their derby games, I think the, the attendance was about 2,500. So that had a big impact. And plus, you know, generally people were spending less money and there was that reduced impact. I mean, some, some teams actually, I think, wanted the season to end because they were losing money hosting the games. So that did have an impact. But it's, um, I think people were just relieved that they managed to get through a season relatively intact I think there wasn't a postponement until about the 17th or 18th round of games then they started coming quite thick and fast um but I mean they did well to get through the season but yeah some clubs I think have just written off the year as a bit of a as a freak and and hopefully get back to normal next year if if they allow more fans in but then that's generally a thing around Finland are seen to have dealt with the pandemic a little bit better so you know I've got friends who went to most games and felt fairly safe doing so so um, I think that most of the clubs adapted fairly well. Well that's good to hear and you said that HJK sometimes managed to sell out games uh, which are the biggest matches in the Finnish football calendar? Well as as it stands the, the Helsinki derby between HJK and, and Hifki HIFK um they that's the big kind of tentpole game for for the league it's always one of these where there's still that fan culture in Finland is still trying to find its identity so you've got elements where there's the eastern european side with the flares and and the wannabe ultras and the tifos um there's a bit of the old english style sort of casuals as well with the fashions but um that game there's always a lot of noise and smoke and everything that the stuff that people like to see um i've been to a couple of them they're they are good fun and, and there is a really good atmosphere i mean sort of the the rivalries in between cities or towns that they, they are kind of there that they're, they're still kind of emerging again as football becomes slightly more popular um there's a couple of cities that host two teams at uh, Turku in the southwest they have or they did have one got relegated this year into dps and their their games are often the same as well. But yeah, I mean, local derbies are really where it's happening. And, and in Helsinki, that's the big one. And 
hopefully that continues next year, although HIFK are, are undergoing some financial issues, which may mean they might not compete in the top division next season. And do you think that possibly some of the longer distances that exist in the Finnish league have kind of restricted the development of a fan culture emerging as well, because there hasn't been the possibility for regular away travel for fans? I, I don't know. I think that there is, I mean, the infrastructure around the travel between the cities is still quite good. Um, I mean, while they are longer, I mean, it takes a long time to get from, say, Helsinki to, to Lapland. Um, it's still a direct train or a flight if you're feeling flush. Um, and there's also a top division club based on an island in the Orland Islands who, who won the title in, in 2016, which was a, a, a very big freak as well it's the equivalent of suppose of Jersey winning the Premier League there is again that that culture and um around the fans there is albeit proportionally it's probably quite similar to to England except the numbers are a lot smaller but there are a lot of coaches and trains and, and road trips that go on you know I mean some some clubs are more welcoming of it than others I think there's a, a club in FC Lati who are in the towards the middle of Finland who they tend to see every away set of fans as a threat and do everything they can to keep them out but um other than that I mean the, the culture is still developing but most of the clubs have a decent following um home and away well that's brilliant and uh, kind of just to finish up do you see football possibly overtaking ice hockey in popularity uh, especially if the national team can keep up their recent form I think it was a hope um again it's it's just a difference in that you know, Finland are generally one of the top countries at hockey and, and have world titles. So I guess at club level, I, I think that's getting there already. Um, it's just, yeah, national level, it's difficult if, um, you know, the, the whole setup's different as a world championships every year. Um, I think if, if Finland qualify for more tournaments and, you know, they get that, that, that big thing about playing in a summer tournament. I mean, people in Finland still watch and love the big World Cups and everything. And, you know, I mean, my... My wife's Finnish and she remembers Italia 90 almost as fondly as, as people in England do. But um, I, I think it generally it would probably need at least a couple more tournament achievements to, to really rival hockey at a national level. But um, I think at club level, we're not, we're not far off. Right. Well, it sounds like there's a lot of promise then uh, in uh, the future of Finnish football. Yeah, I think um, a lot of people are confident and, um, you know, it's just nice that you know, after all those years of the supposed golden generation of players, you know, um, people still look back at players like Yari Lippmann and, and Sami Hoopi and they, they never played for for Finland at a World Cup or a Euro. So um, this generation, while the individual talent perhaps isn't the same, I think they're, they're certainly a far more cohesive team and they're managed a lot better. And, and I think um, the, the future's a lot brighter than it was. Well, yeah, of course, because um, English fans will definitely uh, remember Timu Puki from his uh, Premier League season last year. A fantasy football favourite, especially at the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's very much the star, um, I suppose, doing well for most of last season in, in the big league. And, and Norwich have become quite a popular club in Finland as a result. Um, it's, um, it's one of those strange things. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the Finnish players are top ones are doing well at, at big European leagues. Um, Kredetsky, the goalkeeper, is playing well for Bayer Leverkusen. It's a, it's a different sort of framework, really, that they're operating in now than they were sort of 20, 25 years ago. But yeah, I mean, everyone's a lot more confident they were. And I think normally, you know, going into a Euro group, you know, and they're genuinely thinking that maybe they could get a win, probably off, no, not off Belgium, but I think um, they could certainly give Russia a good game at the moment. Right, well, I think we'll probably uh, leave it there. So thanks very much, Rich, for coming on to the podcast. That's all right, Ben. Thanks for having me. Titosh.
Thanks for listening to the Christmas special of Corners of the World. Make sure you check out Rich's Escape to Suomi account on Twitter to follow everything that happens in Finnish football. The domestic season will likely restart in April, and, of course, the national team will be in action at the European Championships next summer. You can find other episodes of Corners of the World on the URB podcast page of your preferred streaming platform. Next week will be the last episode of this series of Corners of the World, and it should resume at the start of February. I wish you all a very happy new year, and hope you will tune in for next week's episode when the focus will turn to Asia once again.